because you're showing to God that you have given so generously to me that I want to do anything that I can to show you I am grateful. If it is a wonderful smell to you, if it is whatever that happens to be, that's what I want to give back to you. And that's what this time is about. We are not contributing to the lighting bill of the church. That's not what you're doing. And if that's what you are doing, I really don't want your money. Please don't put it in the basket. You are offering to God a gift because God has given generously to you. And that, that is what this time is about. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you. Thank you for being so generous to us. Thank you for giving us an unimaginable amount of things, Father. Yes, being in America, Father, but even in being in America, Father, you've given us so, so many things, Father. And the simple pleasures of heating and air conditioning, Father, you know, it's things like that that we, like, overlook so easily that you have blessed us with so thoroughly. Thank you so much. I pray for this morning to present an offering before you, Father, something that is pleasing to just show how grateful we are. Thank you for being an awesome God. In your son's name, amen. amen. Please give Brian a hand for that amazing message. Um, one of the things I, I don't know if y'all noticed it, like I love when people stop before they pray. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, pray. So we just, sometimes I, I'm guilty of this. I don't know about y'all, but I'm guilty. But I like the fact that you took time, just, just a couple seconds to get your heart right before you came to the Lord. And that put so much validity behind what you were saying. Like, I feel like you really under, like, that, that's such a good perspective that we stole a life. We did. We stole a life that God could have had, you know. We stole all the relationship, whether, whether Adam started it, we're continuing that legacy. And just to remember how grateful we need to be. So thank you so much for that, Brian. Thank you guys for all coming. As we serve the Lord this morning, we have a couple of announcements. Um, the women's, um, the women's Weekend Retreat is coming up soon. All my ladies, where y'all at? <laughs> amen, amen. If you have any questions on that, please talk to Tiffany Crenshaw. Registration, needs, um, you need to be registered by November 30th. The retreat is going to be January 7th through the 9th. It will be in, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Mint, Minton? Mintone, okay. Mintone, Alabama. I, man, don't even know my own state. That's so great. Um, we have one more announcement. Um, if Mr. Aaron would come to the front. Hey, Board Church. Um, we've talked a little bit about this, but what we want to do between now and probably the second week of December is we're going to try to have a food drive to collect non-perishable goods um, that we can donate to one of the downtown food banks. Uh, probably downtown rescue mission is the one we've talked about. You guys, my son's waiting. Hi, Angel. Um, you guys will see there's like a, a, a box in the back that has some cans on top of it, and the reason they're on top is because 
container itself is already full. Um, so we'll be taking that, uh, we collected those at the, uh, the fall festival. We'll be taking that, emptying it, um, probably into our garage if we have a garage back, uh, <laughs> and uh, continue to collect in the weeks to come. What we're going to try to do today or tomorrow is get a message out to everybody that will have the ways that you can help donate. So obviously we can collect cans ourselves. Um, we've got some in our pantry that we brought from Virginia that we're not going to eat. Um, that would be easy. The other thing that we found to be super successful is to use our social media resources. Put something out on Nextdoor, put something out on Facebook, and open your home up as a collection point, right? Uh, you'll get a, a document that's for a collection box you can put on your front steps, and people will come from your neighborhood and, and drop those off. It really meets a couple of needs. Not only does it help get food to the people that most need in our community, which continues to grow every day, um, but it also helps get the word out of, of who we are in our neighborhood, right? This Amen. is what we believe, this is what we want to do. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. I think this is a great way to get our names up as easy as well. So um, our goal is to give you everything you need. Like we'll even give you the verbiage for a posting um, and for those boxes and for flyers. And uh, let's see what we can do between now and then. And Aaron, one more time, when is then? Uh, so I think, I think our goal is to kind of hold the collection in by mid-December, so like okay. the second or third week. Um, there's a huge push right now, obviously, for Thanksgiving, and then there's a little bit of a dip between now and Christmas, um, and then there is a big dip at the beginning of the year. Um, so we can kind of beef up the food banks as much as we can right now, or in, when you're experiencing this dip, would probably be the best time. Okay. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much, Aaron. All right, guys. At this time, we're going to take a fellowship break, five minutes. At this time, please also dismiss your kids to Kingdom Kids in the back and our preteens with Mike. Um, but we will return in five minutes with a song. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, can we turn to Acts 2? Yes, we can. May we turn to Acts 2? <laughs> All righty. So I'm going to, I'm going to carry on where Tom left off from last week, Acts chapter, I have it on my computer, okay, so Acts chapter 2, verse 17, says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, let me pray real quick. Uh, Father God, thank you for this day. Um, it's already November, goodness gracious. Uh, thank you for, yeah, just getting us to November, God. It's been an eventful year. It's been an eventful two years. Um, yeah, thank you that our, our pastor is able to go and have a sabbatical and get some rest and get some refreshment. Yes, Father, I pray that this sermon is a refreshment to us. I pray that it's an inspiration. 
I pray that your Holy Spirit will be poured out on me while I preach uh, so that I can uh, share my vision and uh, talk about dreams and talk about, I don't know, life. Uh, yeah, you know more about what I'm about to talk about than I do. So, uh, God, I just uh, pray that you bless this lesson. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. So, uh, last week, Tom talked about old men dreaming dreams. Warning, I'm going to be saying the O word a lot in this lesson. So... The old word being old, um, but it's in, it's in the scripture. So, uh, but so last week Tom talked about old men dreaming dreams, and uh, cool thing about a dream is it's usually based on things that you've seen before, right? And so Tom, he's been in L.A., he's been in Dallas, he's been in many different churches, and so based on those things that he's seen before, he was able to share his dream for Huntsville. Uh, I'm sure everyone's had that where you like, let's say you go to Publix and then you watch a movie with a dinosaur in it and then you wear red shoes. And then you have a dream where a dinosaur is wearing red shoes and it's checking your cabbage out at Publix or something, right? Um, our dreams are based on things that we've seen before. And so based on you know, his life experience, he, he reminded us that the Great Commission did not die with COVID-19, right? We, sh we need to be still engaging our peers, still trying to figure out how to make disciples. Of all nations, of all walks of life, of all stages of life, um, everything, everybody. Uh, we also need to be a praying and fasting church. If we want to imitate the church in Acts 2, that's how they did it. They prayed and they fasted for every single thing, right? And then also, there's no better way to fulfill that great commission than to just love our neighbor as ourself, right? We need to make sure that our, our actions are based off of love for people, love for God. And uh, if we do that, I mean, Jesus said it. He said, you fulfill the whole the whole Old Testament. So he talked about old men dreaming dreams. I guess it's only fitting that I talk about young men having visions or young people having visions. Um, but first I want to ask a question. What does an old, older person have, what advantage does an older person have on a younger person? It's pretty clear. It's the experience, right? They have years and years and years of life that they've lived that we have not. And then Adversely, what is the advantage that a young person has over an older person? Youth. Yeah, youth. We have years and years and years and years of life ahead of us that we can use. And so those two things, I don't think it's a coincidence that he says, old men dream dreams, young people have visions. Because the old people and their life experience and the young people and their visions, they should be working together, right? Amen. So right. let's go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in Luke 2 for most of, uh... okay, cool, that's the title for some reason, and Luke 2, Luke 2, okay, cool. So this is Jesus when he's 40 days old, so can't, can babies, they, they make noise when they're 40 days old, right? Okay, I've never had one, so I just, I was asking. Um, okay, so verse 25, let's start at verse 25. Or no, let's start at verse 22. So when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping 
with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there is a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, this, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. All righty. So this person qualifies as an old man dreaming dreams. Would we agree? Yeah. But I think he, he, he's so like, this is, he's an easy story to skip over. But there's so much in this. So what do we know about him? We know that he's righteous and devout, and we know that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then we hear there's another person who's in this story. It's the Holy Spirit, right? It says the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And then he was also moved by the Spirit to walk into the temple on this certain, let's say it's a Thursday or whatever, right? And so... He had the spirit on him a lot, probably a lot more than the, the average person. And I want to ask a question, like, was he, was he just because he was a special guy, like, did God just say, I'm going to put a little more Holy Spirit on Simeon than the rest of Israel? Or was it because of the lifestyle that he lived, right? Because he was, what does it say? He was righteous, he was devout, and he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. So someone who's living a righteous life, Someone who's devoted to that righteous life, they're devout, and someone who's looking forward to Christ, right? Looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The chances of them having the spirit on them on a regular basis is gonna be way higher than someone who's not living that kind of lifestyle. And so it wasn't that he was a special, you know, special person or anything, he just lived a special life. And that's why he was able to have this Holy Spirit leading of his life. Um, yeah, I guess we could even ask that for us. Like, I remember, uh, I think it was Dan, you told a story. You had a roommate who would go and sing hymns in the forest every morning <laughs> in the backyard or something. I think about someone who were to do that. Are they going to experience more of the Holy Spirit in their lifetime if they sing a song to God every single morning than someone who doesn't? It may seem kind of wacky, but if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, God gives us these avenues to do that, right? Um, and so Simeon, he's this amazing man, this amazing life that he's lived. He gets to uh, run into Mary and Joseph, and he gets to prophesy and sing and worship over, over baby Jesus. Um, this is an old man's dream. This is an old man's dream. Let's notice what the dream was not, though. The Holy Spirit didn't say, oh, Simeon, before you die, you're going to be a millionaire. The Holy Spirit didn't say, oh, Simeon, before you die, the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and Dak Prescott will be the MVP, and your fantasy team will win. Um, he didn't say that. We need to, <laughs> we need to notice his, his dream had to do with the kingdom of heaven. It didn't have to do with the kingdoms of men. And that's a good indicator on whether your dream is from the Holy Spirit or not, right? 
uh, if our dream is based on money, or if our dream is based on fame, or if our dreams are based on pleasure or comfort for yourself, it might not be the Holy Spirit that is powering that dream. Amen. Our dreams from the Holy Spirit will be part of the kingdom of God. Um, so let's move on to talking about Anna. So, verse 36 says, There was also a prophetess. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Night and day, fasting and praying. Uh, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So here's another elderly person with a dream, right, who's full of the Holy Spirit, comes over. And they, they, these people are recognizing Jesus as like a 40-day-year-old, 40 40-day-old 40 child, right? And they're recognizing Mary and Joseph. You, they, they probably looked like just any other couple bringing a baby into the temple, but the Holy Spirit led them to recognize who this baby was. Um, but her life, once again, like this lady's life is amazing, right? She, she was married for seven years, and then she was a widow. So we're assuming that her husband died. I guess that's the only way to be a widow. Um, and then, but she was a widow until she was 84. Uh, according to the law, she could have gotten remarried. Right? She could have gone and found a husband and lived her life, but she chose another lifestyle for some reason. What was that reason? Probably because she found a love for God that was greater than a love that any man could give her. Uh, do we believe that? I know I'm about to get married. Do I, I need to know, right? I need to know in my heart that the love God gives me is going to be more than the love that my wife can give me. And I need to live my life in that way. That doesn't mean I go and I don't, I guess, live at the church, but that means that I, that'll change the way that I live my life, right? I'll probably fast and pray more often if I believe that deep in my soul. Um, and once again, her lifestyle, someone who's fasting and praying and worshiping day in and day out, they're going to be led by the Holy Spirit more often, nine times out of ten, more often than someone who's not living that kind of lifestyle. Um, Core 52 a few weeks ago, a lot of weeks ago, actually, um, smacked me in the face with this. It said, our works are not our gift to God. They're actually God's gift to us, right? So, oh, I pray every day. That's not your gift to God. That's God's gift to you. You get to pray every day, right? Or I fast once a week, twice a week. That's not our gift to God. That's God's gift to us that we get to experience him more. We get to empty out our body and fill it with the spirit, right? Um, a few things like sobriety, we may think, oh, that's my gift to God. Right, I'm sober, you're welcome, God. No, that's his gift to us, right? Celibacy is not our gift to God, it's God's gift to us. Salvation, first and foremost, salvation is God's gift to us. It's not our gift to God. That, oh, I'm a disciple, oh, I'm a Christian, oh, I got baptized, you're welcome, God. No, thank you, God. Um, and so, yeah, these two people, Anna and Simeon, they're kind of like, they're so small. Like, we always skip over Anna and Simeon. But what if they hadn't walked up to Mary and Joseph? 
Like, Jesus was 40 days old. He didn't really, he probably, can babies hear? <laughs> I don't know. What do, I don't know anything about babies. Uh, Jesus was 40 days old. He couldn't hear them, but Mary and Joseph definitely heard this. And this definitely probably made an impact on the way that they wrote, raised Jesus as a kid. Um, they let Mary and Joseph know that this was no ordinary child, that this was the Messiah. They, they didn't even just say Messiah. They said salvation prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel, destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So imagine hearing that over your, your infant, right? It's going to change the way you parent. It's going to change the way you see that kid. Like two prophets just walked up to me at the same time just on this random day. Okay. Um, all right. And so what does this teach us? It teaches us if we are older and we have a dream, our obligation is to share that dream with the next generation. Because we never know. Like, you never know if it's going to be the next Mary and Joseph. You never know if it's going to be the next, I don't know, person who creates the next Hope Worldwide or the person who plants 30,000 churches in China or something. We never know who we're imparting our dreams on. Uh, especially our spirit-filled dreams. Um, yeah, we kind of mystify these people, but Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna, they were just normal human beings just like us. So, all right, old people dreaming dreams, uh, 15 minutes in. We're going, we're going good. All right, uh, so now let's talk about young people with visions. And it's kind of cool how this works out in Luke 2. We just keep reading, and we hear about a young boy with a vision. Uh, verse 41 says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast, according to the custom. <clears throat> After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Uh, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to, to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Uh, I want to give Jesus a funny. Why were you searching for me? Uh, he asked, did you not know that I needed to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with, with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So let's pick this apart. Uh, some things that I like is uh, his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the Feast of Passover. Uh, it ain't much, but it's honest work, right? Just, you gotta, I, I guess that was the custom, I don't know, but uh, every single year, that seems like a trip from Galilee, and it says that they went with their whole family, like enough family to where you can lose your son. Uh, I, I don't have that much family, uh, but I do have that much family when I go to a family reunion. Do y'all, have y'all been to a family reunion before? It's like a bunch. I know my family reunions, it was like hundreds of people. Maybe they weren't all my cousins. Maybe they were. But 
I can imagine that. And just also just imagine that. Imagine you have that many people, your first, second, third cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, far off people, even family friends, hundreds of people. But instead of just going to a family reunion to play Frisbee and play bingo and eat mac and cheese, you're going to the Passover festival or you're going to church or you're going, I don't know, to a, a conference, a church conference or something. I think that's a really cool dream. You know, to think that what if all of my family, my like extended family, loved Jesus Christ and they were disciples of Christ. Amen. How in the world does that happen? Uh, it might take, I think for, for these people, it took 40 years in the desert. Uh, it took 70 years in Babylon. But it also took the older people imparting their dreams on the younger people. Uh, the dreams that came true and the dreams that didn't come true. Um, think about all the conversations that they had in the desert. You know, we thought we were going to make it to the promised land, but we're still here. Don't do what we did. Don't do what your Uncle Charles did or something. That's why we're stuck in this desert. Um, anyways, so it says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Uh, did he grow in wisdom and stature? I keep asking this question because he was Jesus. Did he have a special advantage or was it because of the lifestyle that he lived? Uh, even as a 12-year-old. Right? How do you grow in wisdom and stature? Is it just because you're, you're just built different? Or is it because you do things like stay in a temple all day for three days straight, asking questions, listening, and sitting there? Um, I think it's that one. Let's see again what he did. He, uh, verse 46, after three days, I found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. That's how you gain wisdom. Proverbs 3, I'll prove it. Uh, not that I have to prove anything, but Proverbs 3 talks about this. Because it says in the end, he's, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And that reminded me of this scripture in Proverbs 3. Verse 1 says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. I think Jesus checked. Uh, For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So we see Jesus as a 12-year-old putting this into practice. Uh, I think something that's cool that just stuck out to me is that Jesus was a disciple before he had any disciples. When he was 12 years old, he was a disciple of the text. He was a disciple of the temple. He was going in, disciple means like apprentice. It means like student, you know? He made himself a student. He made himself an apprentice. Even, even in his job, he was an apprentice. He was a carpenter's apprentice, um, which is super cool to think like he's not calling us to do anything that he didn't do, right? He was a disciple. Come on, guys, be my disciples. Okay, cool. Um, and so, also, he was in this temple at 12 years old. The, the Jewish custom back then was uh, learn the whole Torah by, by 12. And so he was there for a reason, because he knew the whole entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, and so I just imagine, you know, that's 20 years. Like, if he learned all the Torah at 12, then for the next 20 years, he had things like man does not live by bread alone, but by, only by the, let me read that. 
by only word by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He had scriptures like that that I don't even know, uh, sloshing around in his head for 20 years as he's building furniture or building houses and stuff. He had 20 years of if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Scriptures like that sloshing around in his head, right? And so kind of going on a tangent, what does this have to do with a young person having visions? The first step of your vision is studying. The first step of your vision is sitting and listening and learning. First step of your vision is discipleship, right? That's a good foundation. Uh, a vision can't just be, well, it can be sometimes, but... Imagine if someone's vision is, oh, I'm going to be a medical surgeon. Uh, and they're like, okay, spirit led me to do it, so let me do an operation. No, you have to be a disciple. You need to be a student. Sometimes that vision will take time. Uh, another part of a vision for a young person is knowing who you are. Um, verse 49, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, he left everyone flabbergasted when he said, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And it says they did not understand what he was saying to them. So by this time, Jesus knew that his father was Yahweh. Um, and back then, people didn't call Yahweh father. They didn't call him daddy. They didn't call him Abba. Uh, that's kind of a, that kind of came after Christ. But for him to say that, it took a lot of insight. It took a lot of wisdom. And it also took the Holy Spirit. The same spirit who led Anna and Simeon to walk up to him and say, you're the Messiah, it was the same spirit that told him, Yahweh is your father. And I think that's super cool. So I guess I want to ask, what has the Holy Spirit told you about yourself in regards to your visions, in regards to your dreams, in regards to your identity, right? In, re in regards to what you need to study, what you need to, how you need to be a disciple, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? Or is it telling you anything? Does it feel like, man, I haven't really heard anything special from God lately? Um, if we haven't heard anything special from the Holy Spirit lately, is it the Holy Spirit's fault? Right? If you live next to a river and your water pail runs out of water, is it the river's fault? Or is it your fault for not going down to the river and filling your pail with the water? It's not the river's fault. And we have these things like fasting, praying, reading, worshiping, for us to fill our pails with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Uh, we want visions and dreams. We need the Holy Spirit. We read that in Acts chapter 2. Um, so, yeah, let's go to Genesis 2. And I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I'm wrapping it up. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is, I mean, if, if your dream isn't from the Holy Spirit, it's just a dream, you know. Not to discount those dreams. Those dreams can be kind of cool. Like, but uh, Holy Spirit dream is definitely better. Um, okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed man from the dust, from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. It's kind of cool. He took, he took dirt and turned it into a human just by his breath. Uh, I, I'm, first Hebrew word I know I learned was ruach, which is breath, spirit, and wind. So 
God literally breathed his spirit into some dirt and it turned into a human being who could create an iPhone or a human being who could create a thriller or <laughs> bad or a human being who could build the Sistine Chapel. That was what his spirit did to dirt. Um, this, this phrase, the man became a living being, you can also translate to that to the man became an animated being, uh, which is kind of a cool like way to think about it. We get, God gave us animation. The spirit gives us animation. Uh, let's go to John chapter 20. So this is what the, the Father breathed life into all beings, all human beings, right? And now we're going to see Jesus do something similar to his disciples. John chapter 20, verse 19 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That sounds very, very similar to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, right? And if we know Jesus is the son of the father, and this is resurrected Jesus, and he's breathing his spirit onto his disciples, what is he doing to them? He's also animating them. He's bringing them to a new life, right? And so these visions that we have, maybe they might just be kind of plain and on paper. Uh, here we go. So this is, this is a drawing of a character uh, named Shoto Todoroki from an anime you don't have to understand anime to get this reference, I promise. But this is just a drawing of him. It's kind of, someone probably did this in 10 minutes. And in the same way that God breathes animation into us from dirt to a human, and then from just a mere human to a spirit-filled human, is the same way that an animator would animate him into something beautiful and vibrant and exciting and terrifying also, and just fun to look at too. <laughs> and so that's what the Spirit does to us. I can just look at this all day. But that's what the Spirit does to us. He takes us from a little stick figure to something that can change the world, something super powerful. And imagine, I don't know, a bunch of those, right? Because we're not in this together. Look at that all day, so let me go back. Uh, we're not in this together. Or we are in this together, my bad. I'm so distracted by it. That was a really cool, isn't that cool? I'm gonna go watch that episode later. But uh, anyways, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit animates our lives into something vibrant, into something beautiful, into something terrifying for Satan. Um, and so, okay, in conclusion, to the older people, we need to share our dreams. And when I say older, if you're 15 and someone's 14, you're older than them, right? If you're 77 and someone's 50, you're older than them. You still have, yeah, you have a year. You have, if you have a second older than someone, uh, 
you can share a dream, right? You can share an experience. You can share um, even a broken dream, a dream that didn't happen, um, a dream that did happen, right? That can be inspiring to a young person with a vision is a dream that did happen. And you're going to be speaking into the Marys and the Josephs of tomorrow, Amen. right? To the younger people, we need to listen, <laughs> sit, and ask questions. We need to hone our vision, gain wisdom, and let love and faithfulness never leave us. We need to be a disciple of Christ first, and then be a disciple of one another too, Amen. right? Especially if they're wise, be a disciple of wise people. Um, yeah, hone our vision and chase it. And then to both young and old, we need to seek the Holy Spirit. We need to go to the river and fill our bucket. We need to get close enough to Christ through things like prayer, fasting, worship, what else? Reading the Bible. We need to get close enough to Christ so that we can feel his, his breath. That's such a weird, like, why did he breathe on them? But you have to be close to someone for them to breathe on you, right? So let's do that. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's read. Let's sing. Let's get close to Christ. Let's fill our buckets. Amen. 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 Thank you.